right, everybody, welcome back into the Phantom Football Podcast. We thank you so much for joining us. We are joined once again by Simon Short and Ronan Summers after another excellent week of NFL football. Thank you so much for being with us, uh, Simon and Ronan. I'm going to get first impressions really fast. Uh, Simon, what jumped out? Uh, man, we're going to talk about it, but there's some interesting fourth down decisions going on. I think everybody around the league saw what John Harbaugh did last week and gave him a little hold my beer, and we'll, we'll have some fun talks about that. But it was a lot of fun, man. There was a lot of close games, a lot of blowout games to ignore, and uh, just another great week of football. An excellent week, Ronan, before we dive deep into it. Uh, first impressions. It, was, it seemed like just about just about every game was competitive. There were a couple blowouts, the uh, New England, Detroit, the Jets, and Miami, but there were a lot of uh, close games. All right. Uh, I think the biggest news coming out of the weekend, really, and there were several things, but Matt Rule is out as Carolina football head coach. Simon, we'll start with you. Surprised, not surprised, when it happened, what do you think? This feels about right. I mean, they were – it kind of feels like it was a last-ditch effort, whether it was Matt Rule convinced ownership and management or ownership and management management believed in himself. But they wanted to give the Baker Mayfield experiment a little bit of a chance, see if Rule was finally going to get the quarterback that he needed to run the kind of offense he wanted. Uh, clearly, it did not work out. I was even surprised by how poor Baker Mayfield has played and now he's hurt for a few weeks. So now we're just going to see the same Carolina team we've seen the last couple of years. So this felt like the right time to, to move on and uh, start getting ready for the next head coach. Roland, I'm going to let you finish up the Matt Rule thoughts and then go ahead and bounce straight off of that. Talk about commanders running back Brian Robinson for everybody. Yeah, so honestly, I was just surprised that he made it to this season uh, regarding Rule. Uh, I, I thought he was kind of a shoe in to get released and get his payday early uh, in the offseason last year. So I, I'm not really surprised. I, I kind of question why not, why they didn't just let him finish out the year. Uh, I mean, unless it's Bisaccia, I don't know if the team is going to get fired up under an interim head coach. So I kind of question that <clears throat> that early into the season. Uh, and then Brian Robinson, what a story, huh? Getting shot in the leg, what, twice uh, in, a, in a robbery and then making his way back before the halfway point in the season. I mean, that's, that's awesome. He, didn't he come out to uh, 50 Cent? Money, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no karaoke for you, Roman. Hey, you know, uh, don't want to get copyrighted, right? <laughs> it's great. beautiful, That's how man. That's how we do it. Uh, Simon, I'll let you peel off on Brian Robinson, and then I'm going to mention a handful of injuries. You tell me what jumps at you, Simon. Lions uh, cornerback Savion Smith with a, a devastating uh, neck injury, did fly home with the team. Uh, 49ers cornerback Emmanuel Mosley torn ACL. Panthers quarterback Baker Mayfield, you just mentioned it, out a couple of weeks with ankle injury. And Seahawks running back Rashad Penny broke an ankle out for the season. Yeah, first, Brian Robinson. I mean, you guys said it. Just uh, an incredible story. So happy for him. And, and you know, a ch real chance for him. This isn't just like a feel-good story. This was a guy that, before this happened, looked like he might be like a full-time kind of starter. Jason, J.D. McKissick obviously gets a lot of third down passing work, but uh, Antonio Gibson in and out of favor in Washington. So this is a guy that 
from day one was hit the ground running, uh, no pun intended, and now should be able to pick up right where he left off. Already had nine carries on Sunday. So really, really excited for him. Really, really happy about that. Uh, to those injuries, I mean, obviously, Baker being a quarterback, being the starting quarterback, it looks like P.J. Walker is going to start for a week, and then they'll see um, when Sam Darnold is ready to officially play. Uh, Rashad Penny, you just – you feel for, you know, all the injuries that that guy has went through. Had a great stretch of games last season to come back to the team and get the contract that he got. Uh, he's had a good year so far. I mean, uh, he's he's in, in the games uh, – in terms of being involved in this offense, that has been a, a nice little surprise against Detroit last week, 17 carries for 151 yards, two touchdowns. Um, so, so you just hate to see it. And the guy that has battled injuries for a long time, but in terms of, you know, long-term effects, the 49ers have gone through a lot of defensive back changes. So Emmanuel Mosley could be uh, a big deal losing him for a full year, right when this defense is really feeling like it's coming together. Ronan, I've got several injuries for you here. Uh, the the, uh, the Bengals with uh, T. Higgins and Jonah Williams, uh, both day-to-day. The Dolphins continue to get more bad news with Teddy Bridgewater and concussion protocol. Taron Armstead, their massive left tackle, toe injury. The, the Patriots running back, Damon Harrison, left the game with a hamstring injury. And then the Broncos continue to get more and more bad news in an already rough start to a season. Garrett Bowles is out for the year. Ronald Darby, ACL, out for the year. Um, and then Darren Waller left Monday Night Football the hamstring. There's a lot going on there. Um, what's the two, maybe the two top uh, ones for you there? The Garrett Bulls injury stands out to me. Uh, the Broncos have struggled offensively, and losing your starting tackle is never that, – that's never an upgrade. There's, there's no bright side to it. So, I mean, maybe, maybe it'll help Russ uh, – get out of the pocket and improvise a little bit more. It'll force them to let them cook a little bit more often. There you go. <laughs> uh, and then the second one, I would probably have to say the hamstring injury for Darren Waller uh, tonight. You know, hamstring injuries, especially for those pass catchers, you know, those are tedious. And uh, hopefully that doesn't last all season. Ronald, that's a perfect segue into the game that's fresh on everybody's mind. Chiefs and Raiders. A heck of a game. You, you guys already mentioned it. We've had a lot of competitive football this year, this weekend included, this game especially. Crazy ending. Ronan, walk us through your feelings on this game here. You know, Vegas looked really good out the gate. 17-0 lead. They looked like they were going to run away with it. And then not so fast. You know, I guess we should have expected it. Kansas City at home against a division opponent on prime time. You know, it's all it all makes sense in hindsight. But I mean, Mahomes did it again. Travis Kelsey did it again. I mean, I was going to say he had a hat trick, but I mean, he had four touchdowns. So if you played him in fantasy this week, I apologize. Absolutely. Simon, it was a heck of a game. A crazy ending. Uh, How did you feel as it as it wound down there for the Raiders? Man, you just you feel for the Raiders. This is why you can't go zero and three to start the season, and and especially in in very winnable games to opponents you should beat. Because when you're in the AFC and you're in the AFC West, and you're in a shootout game like this, you want to walk away feeling good about it. Hey, you know we battled the Chiefs in Arrowhead, thirty twenty nine. We're gonna get them again at home, and it's gonna you know later in the season it's gonna be great. 
except by then you could be eliminated from the playoffs by the time you get there and to not give yourself a chance uh, to, to go for two after that last touchdown, 30 to 29, uh, when you're going to have to stop them anyways, right? A one point lead is not going to help you other than any more than holding them on defense in a tie game. Either way, you can't let them score. So, so to go for it for two for, for Las Vegas, obviously not get it. And, you know, we might sit here if they had, uh, if they had been successful in converting it and been like, oh, wow, what a great gutsy call. Uh, unless, you know, the Kansas City went down and got a field goal anyway. Like, it, it, you know, it can't always be obviously result biased. It has to be about the process and the fact that you're, you're saying we're either going to lose this game if we can't stop Kansas City or we're going to lose this game if we can't stop Kansas City. And, like, that's going to happen regardless. So give yourself the opportunity to be tied and, and you're not relying on these kind of Hail Mary passes. Um but Vegas looked good. This is what they should be looking like, a, a very solid running game. They kind of, once again, mixed around their offensive line. Also, another reason you shouldn't still be uh, mixing up your offensive line three, four, five weeks into the season. Um, they finally found a good group. That's great. It would have been a good idea to know what this group was week one, kind of get the ball rolling from the start. But these are the trials and tribulations you go through with a, uh, a new head coach to you, even in a second or third stint. So um less into Vegas because you know one and four start you're thinking you might need 10 wins to get to the playoffs I don't think they're going nine and three the rest of the way so it's going to be a tough road ahead for them I think tough start for the Raiders even in a fantastic game Simon I'm gonna keep it here with you and go ahead and grab a conversation from our Ben's barbecue section here it's along the same it's along the same mindset here a lot of teams going for two having to make these tough decisions a lot of teams going forward on fourth downs so many of these games this year are so competitive and probably half the league has a quarterback who can score in two minutes. And it's putting a lot of pressure on all of these head coaches to make these decisions. So fourth down con- uh, con- conversations here, Simon, get us started here. General philosophy, some, some particulars as well. What are these guys facing this year? It's so tough. I mean, it, and there's varying degrees to, what every team does the Baltimore Ravens, for example, will use this example from Sunday night football coming off of their game last week uh, against the Buffalo bills, but the Sunday night game uh, Bengals Ravens, some teams are very analytically driven and they have the percent of success rates for every down and distance and time and score. And some go completely off of gut. And it just depends on kind of what your individual philosophy is as a coach. Um, in terms of general philosophy, really the, the nuts and bolts of it should be, how do I feel about the team I'm going up against? What's my success rate going against them? Am I going to score a touchdown or no? Am I going to convert or no? And then if I don't, what's the likelihood they hurt me on the other end? So to compare these two examples, uh, Ravens-Bengals game this week on Sunday Night Football and Ravens-Bills game last week, here's the situation we were in. Ravens, uh, fourth and five from the Cincinnati seven nine minutes to go in the fourth quarter. Uh, they decide to kick a field goal instead of go for a touchdown, right? Nine minutes to go means you're probably going to get the ball back. It means uh, you have plenty of time, whether Cincinnati scores or not. And the field goal means Cincinnati needs to get a touchdown, right? In the Buffalo game, there was about four minutes left when they had the same decision to make. They decide to go for it because they're less likely to get the ball back. Also, 
you're not stopping Buffalo, which we saw. They drove right down the field on them, and they did that all game. Whereas Cincinnati only scored 17 points in the whole game. So you feel like you could stop uh, Cincinnati. You feel like even if you don't, you have time to come back and score again, which is exactly what Baltimore did. This time it worked out. Last week you think, man, we got to stop Buffalo either way. We might as well try to get this touchdown because if we don't, the Bills are probably going to win this one. So uh, that that's it in a nutshell what kind of happened with Baltimore. But really good game between the Ravens and Bengals. I thought that was a really, really good one. Comes down to a decision that – uh, Harbaugh made and it happened to work out for him this time around. Well, then I'm going to kick this conversation over to you in a second, but I'm going to bring up another specific instance. And I don't care if you comment on this specific one or not, but it'll, we'll use it as a bridge to get your thoughts on it. We saw the same thing in the San Diego game, which was, it feels like with Brandon Staley, it's every week. But, you know, he had a chance against the Browns to just punt it. The Browns had no timeouts, about a minute and a half left. He instead decided to go for it again, which is you know, again, somewhere between analytics and aggressive, that is what he chooses to do. And they got by with it, but there was a chance that they might not have. I mean, really, Cleveland just missed a field goal at the end. And again, it seems like San Diego's in this situation every week with either a, a fourth down conversion or a two-point conversion or something. Um, Ronan, what are you seeing? What are your thoughts as, as if you were a head coach in some of these situations? I think it's all situational, and I know that's such a boring answer. Uh, but, I mean, for me personally, I like the more conservative conservative approach. Uh, I don't like giving up points. Uh, I, I understand seven looks better than three, but sometimes that three is very vital. Uh, I don't have too much of an opinion on the topic, but – yeah, that's just kind of where I stand on it. I think we're going to see more of this, not less of it, not only because the analytics suggest that not every time, but in a lot of cases, coaches should be a lot more aggressive than they were, say, in the 90s at least, maybe not more aggressive than they have been the past decade. But also these scores are so close, and so many of these quarterbacks just put pressure on you because you know <laughs> Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady, and probably 10 more. If you give them a minute and a half or a minute, they can go all the way down and beat you with, you know, and, and you don't even get the ball back. <laughs> you know, it's, we're, we're going to see more of this, not less of it, these difficult decisions where you're kind of, you're almost in a lose lose situation no matter what you do, unless you actually come out with a win. <laughs> that seems to be the only way <laughs> to be right in these situations. Bengals and Ravens. Uh, Simon, you already mentioned it. Heck of a game. Uh, Ravens end up winning 19-7. to Simon, I'll start it with you, and then I'll kick it to Roland here. Uh, both quarterbacks, quite honestly, struggled. Um, we weren't sure we would, we would see that. Uh, the Ravens had been giving up a ton of points, but Cincinnati didn't, it was not able to capitalize on this game. Yeah, uh, Baltimore's pass defense has been trending in the right direction, but there were still plenty of opportunities that – Cincinnati didn't really take advantage of um, we we've seen with T Higgins kind of being in and out the last couple of weeks and not quite trusting the offensive line after last year and the start of this season, the Bengals are going to a more quick pass approach and doing that against this Baltimore defense, which yeah, has some holes to it really isn't very advantageous. So the, they only had, what was it? 190 passing yard, no 217 yards for Burrow. Um, but they only had a hundred yards on the ground as well. So they just weren't taking advantage of kind of a, a tough or not so tough Baltimore defense. 
And on the other side, Lamar was pretty inaccurate. But Cincinnati was getting pretty good pressure on him. Uh, he was only sacked once, but he was definitely hurried and, and rushed a little bit more. Uh, the Baltimore offensive line is also dealing with some issues. Ronnie Stanley was back, but uh, in limited action. He was rotating series with uh, uh, the their other left tackle, who also just came back from an injury. Um, Macari, Macari, Patrick Macari. And so it was just, you know, it was tough to see. You know, there was a lot of opportunities for Lamar to make these deep passes that he's been making all season and really for the last couple of years, and he wasn't. Um, really came down to typical kind of AFC North fashion where it was just a ugly game and uh, the defenses, while neither were spectacular, they were doing what needed to be done. Um, and Baltimore, like I said, came, came down to that last decision at the end and they were just the right amount of aggressive at just the right time. Ronan, it was a fun game. Uh, somebody had to lose a tight one here. We expected that. We even talked about these two teams in the offseason, that they were both very close. I favored the Bengals. You guys favored the Ravens. It's obvious I think both teams have a lot of issues and yet still have a chance to do a lot of damage this year. Ronan, I, I guess I'll ask you this. Coming off of this game, how do you feel about these two teams? Has it changed at all? Do you feel good if you're a fan or a coach of either team? I, I think you still feel good about uh, both teams, honestly. Uh, it's still early enough into the season where the course can change on the flip of a dime. Uh, both of these teams have the opportunity to get red hot uh, down the stretch. In the AFC, it's going to be tough. Uh, but, shoot, I mean, Lamar's playing – I mean, he didn't play great uh, last night. But, I mean, despite that, he's been – playing some really great football and uh that Cincinnati offense is loaded with a, a better offensive line that's probably getting a little bit more comfortable as a unit I think both of these teams both have a chance to make a run I think both teams are going to have a have a, a lot to say as we get into the playoffs um assuming that they can stay healthy and get there Thursday night football, slobberknocker, 12 to 9 between the Colts and the Broncos. <laughs> I, I think all three of us uh. can appreciate a defensive football game, but there's defensive and then there's just ugly. And uh, Ronan, <laughs> uh, tell me which category this game fell into. <laughs> this was bad, bad offense. I guess good defense, bad offensive line for the Indianapolis Colts. That was, that was, that was tough. That was just tough to watch all around. That was just not a pretty game. It went right with the Thursday night football kind of aesthetic of just kind of being garbage, but it's football, so you'll waste your Thursday night watching it. It's It was, you know, football, though. Had some nice it graphics. Was, it was football. Yes, it was. There was a football on a, a field yes. made of something. <laughs> That is confirmed. Uh, Simon, I, I don't know what to ask you about first. I, I think the Broncos are more intriguing to me at the moment because we, you know, while we could all debate whether or not they were Super Bowl bound, certainly most of us at least felt like they had an excellent shot at the playoffs and may, maybe the division. And, boy, it's just been awful here at the start. And there's really no good news coming out with all of these injuries that they're facing. Javante Williams, the running back, was out last week. He's gone for the season. They, they they've lost Garrett Bowles, the left tackle. They've lost uh, they've lost they've lost several people for the season. 
kind of like the Ravens were doing last year. So, uh, Simon, is, is there hope for Denver to actually actually turn it around this year? I mean, yeah, there there's always hope. There there are some glimpses of some connections with, with Wilson and some of those receivers in this game. Now, overall, obviously, it wasn't great. Cortland Sutton, five catches on 11 targets. Jerry Judy, three catches on eight targets. So it's not perfect. And yeah, if they're going to lose, you know, a starter every single week, it's just going to get worse and worse. But I mean, there's always hope. And, and Russell Wilson, for all the struggles he's going through, is obviously a very good quarterback. And, and this defense, I mean, this is a great defense. This is maybe a top five defense in the NFL right now um, with, with all the different things they can do, the pressure they can put on you, the pass defense that they have with uh, Pat Sertan being able to cover anybody. Um, there, there's always hope. And I think there's even hope for the Colts who are on the other side of this and obviously had such a rough start to the season, but Hey, two, two and one right now in an AFC South and in an AFC wildcard race, that doesn't look quite as strong as we thought preseason. So I think there's always hope, um, unless you're the Raiders who we talked about already. How much do Jump you think, in, how much do you think the, uh, torn lat that Wilson has on his throwing shoulder. Do you think, do you think, you think that's bogus? Nothing. Yeah. But yeah, it was super convenient that it came out right after that game. Wasn't it? Uh, uh, no, he's nothing. I got <laughs> So you're not there. buying it. I'm not so buying, it. Not you buying think it. Team, you think team three is putting out misinformation? No, I'm, I mean, I'm sure his shoulder hurts. I'll say that. I'm sure <laughs> I'm sure lots of other people's shoulders hurt though as well. From um, carrying the team. From carry yeah, something being dragged by the team, carrying the team. I don't know. But <laughs> no, man. Uh that is it was beautifully done. It was very well timed um in terms of dropping that. Cause has he been on an injury report all season? And, and I know people want to stay off of those if they can, as long as they're practicing full. But I mean, if you're, if you're going to be on the, my whole thing is if you're going to play, then you're going to play and you don't really get excuses after that. And to not even say you're going through these injuries, which you don't want to do because you don't want people to target you. Well, guess what? You're an NFL quarterback. They're targeting you anyways, man. They want to hit you whether you're hurt or not. And um, we saw from the game tonight, you're really not allowed to land on top of a quarterback anymore. So that shouldn't make a difference with that shoulder anyways and, and how the game is now. So, um, nah, it, whatever shoulder hurts. I don't, I don't care. <laughs> it's time for Ben's barbecue. And really we're going to rename it this week. It's the RBQ. Cause these questions oh. come from Ronan with the RBQ. Uh, first one, uh, I'll Ronan, it's your question. I'm gonna start with you, man. Top five coaches at the favorite coaches at the moment. Again, this isn't best coaches. This is uh, maybe maybe five guys who have done a, a good, notable job so far this year or did something that you thought was interesting. Ronan, you first. Yeah, absolutely. So these are five guys that have impressed me so far this season. Now, number five, I've got Kellen Moore, uh, Dallas's offensive coordinator. He's really brought the run back to Dallas. Uh, against the Rams, they ran it 30 times, opposed to throwing it 16, and they won the game 22 to 10. So, I mean, Dallas under Cooper Rush, you know, Dak Prescott got hurt. You know, can't really put it all on the backup quarterback. Rely more on the run. They have two phenomenal backs back there. They should have done this way, way, way sooner. Uh, so at number five, I've got Kellen Moore. Uh, 
Number four, I've got D'Amico Ryans, defensive coordinator for the San Francisco 49ers. His defense is putting up or allowing 249 yards a game. That's 249 total yards, not passing yards, 249 total yards a game. He'll be getting a head coaching interview very, very soon. Carolina? Maybe? Uh, Okay, so at three, Kevin O'Connell. He's got Minnesota's offense sizzling. Justin Jefferson, that dude is going ballistic right now. I don't know if he's going to be offensive player of the year, but he's definitely making a case. At number two, I've got Brian Dable. Did anybody have the Giants – having a winning record through the first, what, five or six weeks on their big No way. <laughs> no? No way. Not me. <laughs> I was I higher on them the than hire. you guys, and I was not even I was yeah. not even close to this. Nope. I loved the hire uh, because I thought it was exactly what New York needed, uh, yep. just some sort of infusion of an offensive mind. I think that's at this point in the NFL, unless you're getting a top, top, top tier defensive mind, you, you got to go offense at this point. Uh, so Brian Dable, he, he doesn't necessarily have a Josh Allen type talent at quarterback in New York with Daniel Jones, but he's making it work. And then at number one, I've got Nick Sirianni. You know, he's got the Eagles humming right now, undefeated. Uh, I don't know if you guys watched the Pat McAfee show, but I just I watched the interview uh, the other day of him on there. And he's phenomenal. He, he's like I, I wanted to run through a wall for him. Uh, he, he's got that offense. Jalen Hurts looks like a guy now. That defense, J- Bradbury and Slay, uh, that, that, good luck. Good luck to you. Uh, but that rounds out my top five favorite coaches at the moment. Ronan, it's an excellent question, and it's an excellent list. That's a very well-detailed list, uh, very well thought out. Simon, I don't know if you have five people or not, but go ahead and tell us out a couple of names, too, that are popping out early in this season. Yeah, a few of those were definitely on my list. I mean, I think Dable is not only everyone's favorite coach right now, but front runner for coach of the year. Uh, D'Amico Ryans I had on here as well. Um, Nick Sirianni is a big one for me. I was pretty critical of him. And uh, is it Rich Gannon, his defensive coordinator, for pretty vanilla game plans last year on both sides of the ball for Philadelphia. And they both have stepped it up. Jonathan Gannon, maybe? I don't know. But uh, they, they both have stepped it up. Philadelphia looks really good, obviously. A few more names I want to throw out here. One is a guy Ben might be thinking of, and it's Pete Carroll. Seeing Pete get to coach this underdog team is something we were really, really excited about going into the season. So obviously that's been a lot of fun. Really enjoying that. Uh, Lovey Smith in Houston. We thought this team would be 0-5 right now with maybe the worst point differential in the league. This is a very competitive team already. Um, and, and while the record isn't very good, you see the pieces there. They're definitely building something. So I'm enjoying that. And then I'm going to go with a different Dallas uh, coordinator, and that's Dan Quinn. Uh, that Dallas defense is completely winning them games, and it's the reason for this run that they've been on with Dak out. Cooper Rush has been a fun story. He's a very good example of why you need a good backup quarterback in today's NFL. But the offense is really just doing the thing you literally need to do, which is have points on the board to try to win a game. The defense is winning them those games. So – uh, those are a couple that I just wanted to throw out there. Um, and hey, defensive-minded head coaches, let's let's get them some head coaching jobs. Fascinating list for both of you. Um, excellent work by some people early here in the season. A lot of them fighting for their jobs. A lot of them 
first timers who are just trying to make an impression, but a lot of them making a difference so far. We're about to hit our awards, but I got to say, watching watching the New York Giants come back, y'all both mentioned it, watching them come from behind against Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, because we all know the Packers are better, right? Except maybe they aren't, because <laughs> the Giants <laughs> just beat them and the Giants are four and one. And the Giants have Daniel Jones at quarterback. And watching them in the second half, I think the Packers only had three possessions in the second half, couldn't score hardly at all in the second half. Watching the Giants come back with Saquon Barkley, who didn't have a, a huge statistical day, but it's obvious he's making a difference every time he touches the football. And, you know, Daniel Jones doesn't drop back and pass a lot. A lot of his stuff is screens to one side or the other. It's tunnel screens. It's RB screens. It's wide receiver screens. And, and then every once in a while, he'll pop one 15 or 20 yards down the field. And every once in a while, he'll scramble for a first down. <laughs> it's very entertaining. We'll see if they can keep it up. Hats off to the Giants. Four and one. I don't think anybody, even the most optimistic, expected that. Simon, the Anakin Skywalker Award. I was I'm very excited. interested to hear what this one was about. <laughs> Lay it on us, man. <laughs> the Anakin Skywalker Award. Uh, so this is, you were the chosen one, Anakin. You were the chosen one, and you've let us all down. And this goes to Trevor Lawrence, quarterback of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Now, look, there's still time. We can have a redemption a la, you know, Return of the Jedi. <laughs> there is a chance there is still time i said it there's hope for everybody again the jaguars came back down to earth a little bit we we said it the last couple of weeks this isn't all of a sudden going to be the team that wins the afc south and makes a deep playoff run but maybe it's a frisky team trying to make the wild card so the fact that they're losing the last two games isn't a big deal but here is trevor lawrence's stat line uh last week in the rain which we wrote off remember it was in the rain so we said ah chalk it up to rain whatever 11 of 23, 174 yards, two touchdowns, one pick, four sacks taken, obviously the four fumbles as well. This week, 25 of 47, 286 yards, no touchdowns, two interceptions, just barely over six yards gained per pass attempt for Trevor Lawrence. Um, and that's against the aforementioned Houston Texans. The Jags only scored two or two field goals, only get six points against the Texans this week. Um that's not good for the guy that we kind of just anointed as, you know, the, the next guy. And, and we thought he was already there. So uh, there's still hope. But for right now, uh, Trevor Lawrence, you were the chosen one uh, for the Anakin Skywalker Award this week. Ronan, the officially corrupt award. I can't wait. Who gets it? Yeah, officially corrupt might have been a little bit too harsh, but, you know, it, it tied in officials. It's going to the officials and it's going to Tom Brady as well. Cut it in half, give it to both of them. That roughing the passer call on Grady Jarrett, whenever he just rolled or just wrapped up Tom Brady, and then Brady tries to kick him and then turn around and beg for the roughing the passer call, which he gets. It, that was terrible. Uh Atlanta would have gotten the ball with a shot to win it, and it just completely changed the course of the game. If you're in the mood for more football content from Phantom Sports Industries, subscribe to our newest podcast, the Phantom Fantasy Football Podcast, hosted by yours truly, Brandon Tim. Together, we'll take a deep dive into the data of fantasy football to get the weekly dubs and come out on top as our league's champion. We'll see you at the next episode, coming soon. Once again... This is the Phantom Fantasy Football Podcast from Phantom Sports Industries. See you there.
All right. And certainly we've seen the Falcons compete in almost every game this year. They were getting destroyed in the first half of the Buccaneers game. Managed to come back and make it a good one there in spite of the controversial end. Simon, the South Park banker and it's Gold Award. <laughs> yeah, week, an oldie but a goodie. Oldie but a goodie. We keep going back to it. Uh, it goes to the Steelers because, you know, there was a chance there for about 15 game minutes that uh, they were in this game. And, you know, then that they hit that uh, uh, second long touchdown to Gabriel Davis. And it was pretty much gone after that. Uh, it was 31 to three at that halftime, I think. So, yeah, that, the chances of them winning that game were gone pretty quickly. So, man, that Bill's offense is just a flamethrower. Uh, real quick, Kenny Pickett did manage to throw for over 300 yards. Statistically a good day, but you actually, I'm sure, watched at least a good bit of what he did on the field. As a Steelers fan, how do you feel so far having actually seen him for a game and a half, basically? You know, it's still so far so good. Uh, my main two things, and I'll continue to talk about it, are, yeah, he doesn't have great arm strength. You saw him lose some air, especially in the windy conditions in Buffalo, which doesn't translate well to being the quarterback in Pittsburgh. But the other thing was, can he hang in the pocket? And he definitely did. Um, we saw him even get into a couple of fights with some defensive linemen in this one. So he's tough. He, he's going to hang in there a lot better than I expected, which is good. Um, but, man, quick decisions, and, and that's what – leads to those extra yards because he's making decisions they're eating up yardage more quickly they're getting more opportunities so you know he's moving the ball he's doing a good job so far a lot like a, a, a quarterback that we just saw uh here tonight on monday night football not but not the one that plays for the chiefs yeah the three points the steelers got not necessarily reflective of what uh kenny pickett might be able to do for them in the future we will see. Back to Ronan, the Manning the Ship Award. Manning spelled as in Peyton or Eli. Manning the Ship Award goes to? Yeah, this one's going to go to Zach Wilson, and that that was probably just a, a spell error because that's not what I was shooting, shooting for. Uh, that was not okay. a, a Peyton Manning-like performance. I'll you heard it here first, everybody. All right, so listen, because I'm still, I'm still trying to recover the from the Carson Wentz allegations right now. Oh, my gosh. I'm still trying to recover from the Carson Wentz allegations right now, so this is the last thing I need. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Ben. But You're welcome. By manning <laughs> the ship. I was going to name it the Captain Jack Sparrow Award, but I, assume, but I thought you guys were just going to think of the meme where he's just running away. So I, I had to, yeah, I would have done that. Exactly, That's really funny. Exactly. Yeah. So it goes to Zach Wilson. He had a rushing touchdown, no interceptions in the game, 14 for 21 for 210. He helped his team coast to a 40 to 17 win over Miami. So, you know, 14 for 21. He's hitting two thirds of his passes for 210 yards. He's doing enough. He's doing enough to get the win. He's not screwing it up. And sometimes that's all you need a guy to do uh, in that game. Let's see. Michael Carter had two rushing touchdowns. Brees Hall had a rushing touchdown, as did Braxton Berrios. And then, as I said, Zach Wilson. So, you know, sometimes you just need a guy not to mess up. Big win for the Jets, no matter how they get it. Uh, very big day for the Jets. They're going up. The Dolphins are going down. Simon, back over to you. The Popeye Hands Award goes to. Strong hands from a couple of players in, in this week's game. Uh, this week's games. But the award goes to Cam Dantzler, uh, cornerback for the Minnesota Vikings, ending a game on a complete give me your lunch money strip from uh, 
Marset Smith, somebody, some, you know, very low level receiver uh, among the many for the Chicago Bears. Uh, but Dantzler gives up a first down catch and run uh, and just immediately just takes the ball right away from him. Uh, Gabe Davis, runner up for this award as well. Uh, that second long touchdown, Minka Fitzpatrick had his hands on it as well. So so some strong hands this week. Uh, pretty, pretty fun to see. Good competition. And the last award for the day, uh, the Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? Can I Phone a Friend Award? Roll it. Give it away. Yeah, the Rams win this award, and they need to phone a friend, whether that be Andrew Whitworth, whether that be, you know, one of the other GMs in the league to uh, help their interior offensive line out because they are they're, – they're struggling. I'm not going to pound too hard on this drum because it's kind of what – it's been all season, it seems like. Uh, but Stafford's been pressured 46 times in the past two games. 46 times he's been pressured. Uh, and, you know, that translate to, translates to losses as uh, the Cowboys lose to the backup quarterback in Cooper Rush. Even though he's undefeated, you know, you'd assume the Super Bowl champions are going to be able to maybe uh, make an example of him. But unfortunately for the Rams, that was not the case. Very true. I've got a surprise question for you guys, and I don't need an analytical answer. This is just a what would you rather have kind of an answer. Um, I'm going to give you three defenses, and you tell me which defense you would rather have at this point. The first one is the 49ers. Statistically, they're either number one or number two, and basically all all the major categories, they're just playing lights out. Maybe not quite as many big noticeable names on that 49ers defense, though. It seems to be a lot more of a technique and teaching and toughness and everything like that. Buffalo Bills defense, statistically right up there with the 49ers in almost every category, have a lot more big names, a couple of injuries, but they're basically statistically right there with the 49ers. And then I'm going to offer you the Cowboys defense, too. Um, Probably, you know, I think none of us would really have expected that at the start of the season. But not only is Micah Parsons getting a boatload of pressure on quarterbacks, some of the other guys are really pitching in and and getting an amazing amount of pressure on uh, on opposing offenses here. And then the back of that end of the back end of that Cowboys defense has held up. So, um, Simon, I think I'll start with you. And again, doesn't have to be a deep dive, but which at this point, which defense would you would you like to have? Man, that's tough. Well, when you get into the playoffs, uh, and I'm going to think that far ahead because all three of these teams should be doing that as well, you you just need stars. And, and for that, I'm going to pick the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, if I can have Nick Bosa rushing the passer, if I can have Fred Warner manning the middle, and, and I can have those defensive backs who always seem to do well, but a guy I really like back there, Charvarius Ward, has given them a really good man corner that they haven't had in a couple of years. Um I feel really good about where I'm at to start. And then D'Amico Ryan's coaching those guys up. We mentioned them is a really, really good group. So uh, all, all three of those teams are great, but I think I'm going to have to go San Francisco, especially when playoff time rolls around. Rolling. I'll kick it over to you. See what you think. Give me Buffalo, man. I mean, whenever you look at their front, Von Miller, Ed Oliver, Russo, and they've got some guys up front. And then you look behind them. You've got Edmonds, and then you've got the secondary, and you've got Poyer, and unfortunately Hyde is out for the season, and then you've got uh, Trey White. I mean, they've got guys all over the place. So if you want to talk about stars, Buffalo's where it's at. 
both defenses have just been lights out so far this year. And uh, I figure both will keep it up unless they get hit too hard with injuries. All right, uh, Ronan, any final thoughts before we sign off tonight, man? Actually, I do have one. Uh, for my honorable mention in the top five impressed uh, or coaches that have impressed us so far, give me Doug Peterson. Thought you were going to say it after mentioning guys like Lovey Smith, uh, but Doug Peterson. An excellent choice, uh, no doubt. He's, he's got the Jaguars looking a whole lot better than really we had any right to expect through five or six games this year, five games this year. All right, everybody, thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate it. I'm going to kick it over to Simon for his final thoughts and then for a wrap-up on the show. Man, just another great week of football. Let's keep it rolling. Uh, we have only a few teams that have, like, really poor records and everyone else, it's it's a big, you know, group in the middle. So let's just keep it rolling, keep having fun. And, and to all of you listening, keep having fun with us. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, we appreciate it. It's a ton of fun what we get to do. And we're happy you're here along with us. So to keep up on all that, make sure you guys are subscribed and following and rating and reviewing and all those good things on Apple and Spotify. You're for the Phantom Football Podcast. Uh, we will have episodes out every Tuesday. You can follow us on Twitter and interact there at Phantom Football Pod or at Phantom Football. You can email us at phantomfootballpod at gmail.com. We would love to get some interaction with you guys there as well. Uh, and thank you so much for listening. <laughs>